0: Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. The Rewatchables Podcast is officially back and will be coming to you every Tuesday in 2019. The season will kick off on January 8th with The Godfather, and you can catch up on all the recent episodes featuring Tombstone, Conair, and all the president's men. And with The Bachelor back for a new season, be sure to check out Bachelor Party with Juliet Littman for all related news and recaps. You can download and subscribe to both of those shows on Apple, Spotify, or
1: wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>
0: It's me, Shay. This is the second to last bonus episode of the season. Second to last. Can you even believe that? Can you believe that we've made it this far and not been fired yet? I'm very happy about that. I'm very proud of us. Way to go. Let's get to this week's questions. We've got a bunch of Nino Brown stuff to talk about. First question.
1: What's up, Shay? This is John in Orlando. Listen, loved the Nino Brown podcast, but I got one quibble with your omission of Denzel as Reuben Carter in the hurricane from your top five courtroom, please. I mean, how do you leave out, I serve my time in a house of justice and yet there is no justice for me? Now, technically, he wasn't a criminal. They just thought he was. So there's your plausible deniability if you want to use that as an excuse for the omission. But, I mean, I love Johnny Depp, but you got to put Prime Denzel in there, right? Anyway, love the podcast. Simmons, renew this for a season two already, motherfu-
0: What are you doing? What are, what are you doing? We were literally just talking about getting this far without getting fired. And then here you come, John, from Orlando, calling Bill... An M effort, you can't do that. That's not. <laughs> That's not how we get season two greenlit. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You don't call the boss a cuss word, Kara. We have to fix this in case Bill is listening. Can you do me a favor? Can you play that last part again? We're gonna get the last line of John from Orlando's voicemail, except but when he gets to the M effort part, can you sub in? Missy Elliott sang Hot Boys from the Hot Boys song.
1: Simmons, renew this for a season two already. You a hot boy, a, hot boy, a, rock, boy, a rock boy, a fun toy, a fun toy, hot boy. hot boy.
0: That's much better. Bill Simmons is a hot boy. <laughs> about your question, John and Orlando, that courtroom scene in the Hurricane that you're talking about, of course, is wonderful. Denzel is by basically every measurement, the greatest movie star of my lifetime, possibly of anybody's lifetime. He's on a whole different level, a different plane than everyone else. Let's say you're arguing about anything movie-related, literally anything movie-related, no matter what the category is, you can, without question, without doubt, pick a performance of Denzel's and slide it anywhere into the top section of the argument. That's what he does. That's who he is. We talked about the best times that someone defended themselves in a courtroom scene in a movie on the Nino episode. We had Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men. He was fifth place. Johnny Depp in Blow was fourth place. Sam Jackson in A Time to Kill was third place. Nino in New Jack City was second, and Gerard Butler in Law Abiding Citizen was first. You can, of course, slide Denzel in there anywhere you want. You can put him number one and just move everybody down a notch. Sometimes you just got to leave Denzel out of the conversation, though. You have to give other people a chance to sit on the throne. Think on it like when Jordan retired for two years so that the Rockets could finally win a couple of titles. (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to get that joke into a podcast for the last seven weeks, and I finally got it in Kara. I'm going to say that line again after I say it this time. Can you add in one of those laugh tracks, like on an old sitcom? All right, here we go. Think on it like when Jordan retired for two years so that the Rockets could win a couple titles. (laughs) Thank you, thanks everyone. Really, thank you. Thank you very much. Next question.
1: Shay, this is Michael. so I can't help wondering that Nino Brown set the groundwork that then Sterling Brown's character in Black Panther took to the next level. I feel there's a connection there, but however, I'm unable to make it. I was hoping that you could do that for me. Um, I won't try to pronounce the Sterling Brown's character's name because I'm white, um, but I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you.
0: Nah. No, those two aren't connected. Sterling Brown's character in Black Panther, N'Jobu, younger brother of King T'Chaka, he was interested in the liberation and the unification of black people. Nino Brown isn't aligned with that. Nino Brown isn't even aligned with Killmonger, who was in pursuit of like a bastardized version of what N'Jobu wanted. Nino Brown didn't want any of those things. Nino Brown just wanted to sell some crack. Next question.
1: Hey, Shay. This is Eric over in San Diego. Viva La Rafa. I just had a real quick question. Who would you be more scared of? uh, Nino Brown or Denzel Washington in Training Day? I'm sorry. I can't think of the name. That's a tragedy. I apologize for that. But I would love to hear what you have to say. Let me know.
0: They have a lot of things in common, those two. We're talking about Nino Brown and Denzel in Training Day. They're both murderers. They're both good at, like, long-term planning. They both have no problems using children as a safety defense during a (laughs) gunfight. They are both, to be sure, bad guys. I'm more afraid, if I have to pick one, I'm more afraid of Nino, though. Because anytime you're measuring who you should or should not be afraid of or who you should be the most afraid of, the correct answer is always whichever person is the most unpredictable. And Nino's more unpredictable of those two. You get the sense that you know what sorts of things Denzel is doing in Training Day. This character's name is Alonzo. You get the sense that you know what Alonzo is doing because all of his actions are helping him steer his way toward escaping the grip of the Russians. Remember, he had to pay the Russians back a lot of money or else they were going to kill him. So he was trying to put all of those pieces in place. He even sets it up so that Jake, uh, Ethan Hawke's character in the movie, Jake has a chance to make it out alive. Jake has a chance not only to make it out alive, but also to secure several hundred thousand dollars for himself. Like, Alonzo was, wasn't interested in just, like, killing everybody. He was just, you know, trying to take care of himself and maybe a few people along the way. We never got that sense with Nino. There was never a situation like that in New Jack City. He wasn't interested in helping anyone other than himself. He's more terrifying to me. Next question.
1: Hey, Shay. Uh, my name is Sebastian. Um, I just want to say I'm a huge fan. Um, but I have a question for you. So if they, made, if they remade New Jack City in 2019, who would you cast as Nino Brown and why? Uh, thank you. Uh, hopefully I your question. Uh, thanks, Shay. See yeah, I love you. Bye.
0: There are a few names that jump out quickly, like as soon as you ask this question, bing in my head. O'Shea Jackson Jr., the guy from Straight Out of Compton and Den of Thieves, Ice Cubes kid. He's got a thing about him that I really like. I think he would be good in this role. He's got a confidence to him. You need that. You also need to be able to be funny in a mean way, which is important for the Nino character. He'd be good. Brian Tyree Henry would also be excellent because he's excellent in everything. I would like to see a thick Nino. Michael B. Jordan's name would, of course, be floated out there. But I don't think he has the right kind of energy for that role. He would crush the rooftop scene where he has to shoot G-Money, where he gets to be like sad and, and vulnerable and crying. That would be incredible. Beyond that, though, he'd be a little too far out of his element. I don't think we're to the Michael B. Jordan gangster movie scene just yet. You know who I think would be the most interesting in that role? I got a good one. This is who I want. This is the one person who if they're remaking new Jack city, let's say we get that announcement on Twitter one day, Warner brothers is going to make a new version of new Jack city or whoever did it. My initial instinct would be like, nah, fuck that. But then if they like the new Nino Brown is going to be Daniel Kaluuya, I'd be like, well, hold on a second. Hold on. We might have something here. I think he would be excellent here. These are Daniel Kaluuya's last four movies. He was in Sicario. Great movie. He was in Get Out, maybe the best movie of the last decade. He was in Black Panther, also incredible. And he was in Widows, which was another wonderful movie. He is unstoppable right now. Give him this role. I think he's the one person you could put in this role, and it makes New Jack City an automatic, you-have-to-watch-this-on-opening-weekend kind of movie. Give it to Daniel. Let's make a hit. Next question.
1: Yo, Shay, this is Devin, a.k.a. the guy who's buried two copies of Boat in his backyard. Anyways, um, we see Nino watching Scarface to get inspiration from Tony Montana. Uh, What villains do you think are watching New Jack City to get inspiration from Nino? Uh, the, The first one that came to mind for me was Killmonger from Black Panther. All right, anyway, thank you. First, let me
0: tell everyone, there's a guy on Twitter who tags me every so often in tweets. Uh, he tweeted me one time asking how to get a copy of Basketball and Other Things signed. He had a copy. And I made a joke saying, the, oh, the way that you get it signed is you bury it. Go in your backyard, bury it, and then in six months, dig it up, and it'll have a signature on it. Like, ha, 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 funny joke, right? This kid, the one who just called in right now, Devin, he really went in his backyard, and he fucking dug a hole in And buried the book in there. And furthermore, I saw that he had did that. He sent a picture showing that he had buried it. So I emailed the publisher and I said, hey, can you send this guy another copy of basketball and other things because he buried it because he's crazy. And they were like, sure, sure, sure. And they sent one. And when he got that one, he saw that it was just a regular version, not a signed one. So he buried that one too. (laughs) He dug another hole in the same hole and put it in there. Like I respect... The dedication to that bit so much. That's this person right now who's calling, Devin. What up, Devin? Anyway, Devin, for your question, you're saying that Nino watched Scarface and got inspiration from him. So which modern movie gangsters watched New Jack City and got inspiration from Nino? I think you're right. Definitely Killmonger did. He stole that whole, the fancy clothes bit, the like ultra confidence, the, the cool looking sort of guy. Killmonger had seen New Jack City a few times. You're right there. I think we were just talking about Daniel Kaluuya. His character from Widows is like an intimidating gangster. He probably watched it a few times. Frank Lucas, an American gangster, Denzel. Denzel, I'm sure, watched all other gangster movies, and he probably peeled off a piece or two from here, maybe. Who knows? Frank Costello from The Departed, he stole a few things. Wallace from Pulp Fictions, He probably stole a few things too. Nino Brown, I, all of that to say, Nino Brown is a legit gangster movie icon. Like He's in the, in the pantheon, as Bill would say. He's up there. He's top level in that pyramid. Anyone who's come after him, any gangster character, any gangster movie character who's come after New Jack City has watched New Jack City and tried to take at least a tiny piece of him. We never give enough respect to Wesley Snipes, we should, we should do that right now. Wesley Snipes, somebody let him know. Somebody tag him on Twitter and tell him
1: he's phenomenal. Next question. Hi, Shay, This is Michael from Oregon. I wanted to ask you about Nino Brown as a manager. When Kareem and Gene Money, when they end up getting the Carter infiltrated, they made a million-dollar-a-week mistake. That's a pretty significant mistake. And Kareem gets stabbed in the hand, but he gets to keep his job. In my mind, that's pretty good management. You're held accountable, but you get an opportunity to make mistake. You get an opportunity to improve. I'm kind of I'm kind of with Nino on this. That's not a, a million dollars a week. You get a hole in your hand. On the other hand, and the reason I asked this question is that for the first time ever, when I was watching this movie for my homework this week, I noticed that as they're peeling Kareem off the table, Nino is leaning in and trying to shake his hand. You know, like he's got this, hey, are we good? Like like he's taunting him. I wish they had done a close-up of that shot because he is sort of monstrous in that scene. Where I think taunting your employees is bad management. So is Nino a good manager or a bad manager? Thanks a lot. Keep up the great work. Bye.
0: He's a little bit of both, probably I don't and I don't mind the taunting. I have always worked the best when I've had a boss who I was at least a little bit afraid of. If I'm not a little bit afraid of the boss, eventually, I'm gonna do some shit that's disrespectful to them or to their time or whatever like that's just that's how it worked. I think it maybe it's a byproduct of growing up in like an old head Mexican house, Mexican parents, old Mexican parents. fucking dictators like there's no conversation there's no negotiation there's only terror (laughs) and I remember when I was teaching this is like during the middle part of my teaching career I had a boss named Ms. Ortiz she was an assistant principal all of the teachers get assigned to different principals in the school and then that principal is in charge of doing your evaluation and telling you if you're a good or a bad teacher blah 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 And Ms. Ortiz wasn't, she wasn't grumpy necessarily. She was just, I guess emotionless is the right word. She was very like robotic. And because of that, she came across as mean, which eventually turned into her being intimidating. I liked her though. I liked her again because I grew up in a house like that. I liked her because there was never any question about how she felt about you or about how she felt about the job you were doing. If she thought you were doing a bad job, she would tell you you were doing a bad job and then tell you why you were doing a bad job. It's the same sort of way with Nino. Like if you fuck up, he's going to let you know about it. His tactics were a little tough. <laughs> he, you mentioned Kareem messed up and he stabbed him in the hand. He put a hole in his hand, but he built up a thing. He built up a street corner hustle into a business that as you mentioned, was making a million dollars a week. Any way you want to get there, that to me, Sounds like good management. I'm going with he was a good manager. What I'm just going to squint a little bit when we get to all the murdering and those sorts of things. Next question.
1: What up, Shay? This is Elijah from Orlando. I was just calling because I have a question. you think, I mean, I know you guys talked about it on, on the episode, and, you know, Nino Brown was really a piece of garbage, and he probably won't be able to be rehabilitated, but... You think America is really the villain of New Jack City? Like, maybe if he wasn't a product of his environment, maybe he could have actually been a mobile or something. He could have been Jay-Z. Well, I just want to know what you think. Peace.
0: That, to me, is the most interesting part of New Jack City. Because you watch the other gangster movies, like, you watch Goodfellas, and they were aspiring to be gangsters in Goodfellas. The same with The Bronx Tale. We've got sort of both sides there. The same with The Godfather, like, Everything was sort of romanticized. Everything was brought forward in a very auspicious way. That was like the ultimate level. That was the pinnacle. If you grew up under that, you wanted to be that. You wanted to be that gangster. With New Jack City, they kind of turned it around the other way. They made it so that Nino was a reflection of like of the inner city rot that had taken hold all across America. And Nino was clearly very smart. There's no telling what he could have done if he'd have grown up in the right circumstances. Like if we fresh Prince of Bel-Air the situation, we scoop up Nino out of his drug-infested neighborhood, we send him to go live with Uncle Phil during his most formative years, he's probably going to grow up and become something different, something way less deadly, something equally successful, but less inclined to use a small child to not get... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as a shield that's the only way to say it he would grow up and not use little girls as human shields
1: next question yo what's up Shay? it's Ryan from Houston Texas my question actually doesn't have anything to do with the Nino Brown episode though it was a wonderful episode of the pod I feel a little jipped that I didn't get to hear your ghost story on the question and answer episode about Reagan so I'm throwing it back. I want to hear it. When did Jay Serrano see a ghost? Hope you have a question on the pod. Please do that. Keep doing everything you're doing. Love you, bro. See you later. Bye.
0: Okay, so in the Reagan McNeil episode of Villains, there was a part where I told a story about a time I saw a ghost. Like, I really, truly saw a ghost. So I told that story during that episode, but it ended up being too long, so we cut it, and I was supposed to tell it during the last Q&A episode, and I did, and I forgot I didn't even forget. Honestly, I'm I'm lying now. I turned in the episode and Kara was like, hey, you forgot the ghost thing. And I was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But here we are. We'll tell it real quick. Kara, can you play some spooky music in the background while I tell this story? This is a ghost story. And I, I swear to God, this is a true thing. This happened when I was in middle school. I was hanging out. It was me and a couple of my friends. And my parents were gone when you grow up like in that kind of area your parents will just be gone (laughs) so we were there at the house by ourselves i was i don't know 12 years old or whatever we were all hanging out and we started playing with a ouija board we had one of those like mattel ouija boards and we were doing that and we were saying oh we're gonna do a seance we're gonna light some candles we're gonna this was like a thing that a lot of kids were doing at the time and one of us i don't remember who it was i think it was maybe my cousin who was there he was like, hey, let's go across the street. We lived across the street from this wooded area. It was like attached to Lackland Air Force Base. They owned the land, it was all fenced off. You couldn't get there, or you weren't supposed to. But it was just woods and it was like this creepy area. So we said, hey, let's go over here. We're gonna climb the gate. We're gonna do the seance there because whatever the story was, like the civil war had happened there or some bullshit like that and soldiers were dead. Like, I don't know if that's the true thing or not, but that's what we were telling everybody at the time. So we go over there, we do the seance, nothing happens. We're there for maybe 10, 15 minutes. We're starting to get a little creeped out, so we all decide to leave. We're walking back. We climb back over the gate to go back to the house, and we hear a noise, and we turn around. And mind you, this is five of us at the time. It's me and four, four of my dummies with me. We all turn around, and we all look. And like 30 yards away, 20 yards away, There's what appears to be a person suddenly laying on the floor, but not like a, like you can't see just a body in the dark. This was like an apparition, like a light, but in the shape of a person laying on the floor. And I know I wasn't the only one that saw it because everybody else was like, what the fuck is that? We're all looking, we're all trying to like zoom our eyeballs in, but we don't want to go back over the gate to go look. We're staring at it and we're watching it and we're watching it. We're watching it, and then suddenly it fucking stands up and takes off running. Like ten steps, and then it just vanishes. We see this, we're like, oh my fucking god. We turn around, we just take off running, we drop all of the stuff we're carrying, we're running across the street screaming like idiots. That was the time that I saw a ghost. I swear to God, I know that sounds fake. I know that ghosts aren't real. They're kind of real, but they're not real. But that was a ghost. I feel like we definitely saw a ghost. We definitely saw a fake Civil War soldier or or something that was there. That's a ghost story. I told you it wasn't wasn't worth it. This was not (laughs) not. (laughs) worth it. This is a good place to end, though. Let's shut it down. for this week's bonus episode of Villains like I said at the top we've got one more full length episode we're doing that on Thursday it's the Karate Movie Villain and then one bonus episode left after that and then that's the end of season one of Villains thank you to everyone for listening thank you to everyone who called in we'll be back next week listen to Villains or go to hell